welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Back here on the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast, week 10 in the books. And, uh, and man, the, uh, the, day, the, the word of the day, Barton, as it has... Like, don't don't you hate when the theme feels like it was cooked up in a boardroom and disseminated? Like the the fact that this might be Statement Saturday, Statement Saturday. It has alliteration. It, it's catchy. And then Nick Saban's out here. He I I, I saw five different post game Nick Saban interviews, like with different outlets at different times. Barton, he mentioned Statement in every one of them. You, th- you think he got the memo and just was given the company college football line? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm saying that he he realized what was going to make the – he had like already figured out what the perfect soundbite was because uh, he gave it to our Jamie Erdahl. Then, like, you know, he goes over – I mean, you you experienced this just being at the Georgia-Kentucky game. Like, you know, there's there's like four or five different national outlets that are all trying to get, like, a couple questions in with the head coach. And it just looks like, man, he was he was sticking to script. Everything, how about that? Everything about Alabama's win stuck to the script of what we've come to expect from Nick Saban and this Crimson Tide team on the first weekend in November. Every single part of it went right according to script. Right from an from an annual perspective, yeah. And I, I actually felt like, and so I was at Kentucky this weekend at the the three thirty CBS game, and I was driving home during the Alabama game. So I got to listen to pretty much the whole game on the radio, even though it was a boring listen because it was a boringly dominant game. Right. Um, but my, my takeaway is yes, like it was a, it was just a classic Alabama statement, but <clears throat> I felt like they, they delivered something new because I think l- throughout this season, the Ach- Achilles heel is too strong of a word, but if there was a way to sort of, get Bama I mean this new offense was is unbelievable the, this their their pace and the quarterback play and 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 what they can do in terms of explosive plays is like we've never seen at Alabama but okay fortunately there's a defense that while it's really good it's a top 20 defense instead of a top three defense which is what Alabama always is well and and correct me if I'm wrong, but by listening through the the radio airwaves, it sure seemed like this felt like an old school Bama defense. I mean, they held LSU to like 14 yards rushing. Uh, they they just they seem to be, you know, there's a lot of young guys, not quite as much depth. They seem to be finding themselves and finding their their they're hitting their stride here late in the season defensively, to where now we're getting to the point where it's like, what where in the world? Are you going to find a hole on this entire Alabama team? So uh, it's interesting because you know how Big 12 coaches, especially Big 12 defensive coordinators and head coaches, will always try and tell you not to look at the statistics to judge a defense? I think that Alabama, because of its offense, statistically has been underrated in that statistically, you're right. They're not in the the top three kind of uh, the top three kind of category that we're used to. But I just think in terms of like this defense's ability to execute at a high level and dominate an opponent, like I think that some of the numbers have just been a little bit 
thrown off by some of the games that they've been caught in. I mean, shoot, against Tennessee, how much how much time did uh, that defense have to spend on the field when Tua is just going out there having one play, seventy seven yard touchdown drives? Like I yeah, and I wa- go ahead. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I I wonder if there's a look. I've never played on a defense with, I mean, other than high school, I've never really played on a defense with that kind of an offense complementing it. I wonder if there is a uh, like a mental barrier to to the sense of urgency that we've seen in the past for Alabama defense. Cause like, you know, you're going to get your opportunities. And, and I mean, in the past, the Alabama defense is like, you know, there was this, if I don't get to the ball first, someone else will, I need a piece of that meat and we got to get our touchdowns. We got to get our defensive scores. We got to suffocate them. Uh, and, and there's just, I wonder if they can, if they exhale a little bit because they just know how much, and it's a subconscious thing, obviously, but, and they just know how much that that offense is going to produce for them. But at LSU, in Death Valley, a rivalry game where you just want to dominate every possession. I, I wonder if we sort of saw the real Alabama defense Saturday night uh, because they weren't they weren't going to be satisfied just you know getting the ball back to to their their offense in. And you know, casually, they they wanted to to totally make a statement against LSU, and I wonder if that urgency is now starting to really take hold late in the season. I think that Quinn Williams has been the most individually dominant defensive lineman that I've seen in Alabama since Jonathan Allen, and that wasn't that long ago. But just like throughout the season, slowly but surely, I feel like uh, myself and more and more people have caught on to just what an absolute force he's been and him along with Raquan Davis and Isaiah Bugs, like this Alabama defensive line gets after it and LSU had no answer for it. And to, so I guess like to, to bring it full circle on the defense, like what is Alabama defensively? Ultimately they are like truly, truly elite up front and you might be able to get like some matchup advantages here and there. You might be able to hit a couple plays, but you're just not going to be able to run the ball or be able to get anything going around the line of scrimmage because the defensive line is winning one-on-one battles every single time. And that's what makes this Alabama defense championship worthy and like the perfect complement to what Tua and the offense have with a historically good Alabama offense. Did you play, uh, I assume you did, you played NCAA football on whatever PlayStation or Xbox or whatever back in the day? Oh yeah, I was still hanging on until they quit the game. Right, right. So, you know, when you would play dynasty mode and you would, you would, uh, you know, kind of build up a program from scratch and, and, and then once you get a couple years in, you start getting number one recruiting classes over and over again. And then it just starts getting too easy and you're just, it's so easy and you have so many good players and you just, then you, you go and you get a job at, northern illinois or something just for fun that it feels like we're at that point at alabama where it's just they have stacked these classes on top of each other so much it, it, this is now the the apex alabama and it's so easy that it's not even like it's not even that fun and that's why probably you know bama covering this game was such a such a lock because look this is the first game they've really had to dial in this is the first game they've really had to focus and 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 they've actually, you know, taken the time to to acknowledge that an opponent could could give them some some issues here and there. And 
it just is the whole thing is just so comically easy for this team this year. <sighs> Any other questions? I mean, I've I've got uh, I'm I'm trying to think. Like I thought, obviously we had uh, his Tua's first interception. So um, you know, congratulations to LSU on that. We lost they lost battle from that defensive backfield early in the game. I thought that was significant. Christian Fulton still awesome. Greedy Williams got beat on a touchdown for the first time all season. I'm looking down my notes right now. Um, yeah, I just, I kind, I kind of feel like this was, this was the game, and I think this is interesting. Did you get Cocho after the game talking basically about you know we we don't have the players right now? I did. I mean, I saw that quote tweeted out or something. Um, he when he said it, it sounded to me a little bit more like we as a coaching staff have some work to do to close the gap with Alabama. It didn't sound as much like I'm trashing the kids in that locker room, but what right. were your thoughts on it? Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's sort of an, I guess an obvious take almost. And in some ways it's, it's an ambitious take because Alabama's just on such another level from a recruiting standpoint that few teams can even, even, make the case that they can compete with Alabama in recruiting. And so in some ways, I mean, is it just Ohio take. state? Is it, is it really just Ohio state in your eyes? It's been Ohio state. I mean, uh, Georgia now as well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I look at if, if anyone can, it's LSU, but it's just, I think it's, that's Ed Orgeron's way of saying, you know, we're, we can't be satisfied with bringing in really good classes. Alabama's going to bring in number one classes, and we've just got to be able to ma- match up uh, physically out there um, because I think he's seeing what we're all seeing. It's just how do you how do you even put together a game plan against this level of talent and this level of depth? So, uh, so yeah, it, it, I found that interesting that he's he's willing to acknowledge that they've got work to do on the recruiting trail as well as they're already recruiting. Well, let's take it right to Georgia. Um, you got to see Georgia up close in person. I've seen Georgia up close in person. They did not play well when I saw them up close in person. They did play well when you did. Thoughts on the Bulldogs? Well, what popped to you at field level? Um, well, f- first of all, let me vent on one thing. I did pick Kentucky... Uh, and you know when you pick a, a nine-point underdog to win, sometimes they lose by seventeen. That's, that's kind of what happens. College football, there's surprises, and if you try to pick a surprise, sometimes you're wrong. If you are the person that, that when your team wins a division championship, you decide to go on Twitter and call anyone who who picked against your team hacks or give them hell, you are a horrible person. Like you kind of suck, like just, just, or, you know, you, maybe you're not a horrible person, but like, you kind of need to work on that area of your life. Like, don't be so petty and like, just go enjoy your win. Like we're, this is, this, you know, we're all picking games and we're going to get some right. And we're going to get some wrong. So, you know, I don't owe you an apology for, for being wrong about your pick, but Barton, no, that, I need, I need, I need, before we move on from that, I I just need you to. Like I need you to take some of that LeBron James just lost in the NBA Finals energy. You know what I'm talking about? Like 
you're going to wake up living your life and they're going to wake up living theirs. That's right. No matter right. no matter what happens <laughs> on Twitter or what happens with these picks, we are going to be wrong a lot. Let them get that uh, energy out. Don't let it stick to you because tomorrow no, I'm morning. I'm not letting it stick to me. Yeah. I just think you need to, the, the, if you are that person, maybe you even listen to this pod, just take some time to self-reflect, man. Just kind of have a cup of coffee. Look yourself in the mirror and say, you know, is that really what I want to spend my energy doing is dogging out somebody for making a pick against my team? Just think about it, man. Just think about it. So that said, I think Georgia, you know, we kind of talked about Alabama, how like their defense is is coming on. And this all happened pretty quickly with Georgia because we're just, we're what, two games removed from LSU? Yeah. Um. And then you they know, came they back Florida. against Florida, and then and, and that was and great. So which, yeah. So which is you know which is real? Is it is LSU real or is, is is Florida real? And I think what like what, the, the the big takeaway for me from this game is, um, look, I I didn't expect Kentucky to have a, a score a ton of points. I thought Kentucky offensively probably that's about how I expected them to play. I mean they. They had the ball 18 minutes to Georgia's 12 in the first half. You know, they kind of controlled the clock, kept the game and, you know, going at their rate. I think that they probably felt pretty good about where that was heading into halftime. Um, they got some points. Terry Wilson had some success throwing the ball here and there, even in the second half, and they're sort of two-minute drilling it. Um, but what I didn't – so I think 17 points if you're if you're – Kentucky, you're like, all right, I, I let, let's hope that's good enough to win. You can't, can't expect a lot more than that, I think. But what I didn't see coming was what they were incapable of doing on defense against that Georgia offense and offensive line in particular. I mean, that offensive line, A, that offensive line totally mauled Kentucky up front, and B, when the skill players, the running backs, got to the perimeter – or 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 got to the to the line of scrimmage. They were faster. And, yeah, and and Kentucky's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and Kentucky's really good defensive backfield, and and those guys were asked to come up on the perimeter and make tackles. They were they were taking poor angles. They were underestimating the the speed of the Georgia backs. They weren't containing <laughs> yes. the edge. Like it was just it was almost like you were looking at a Louisiana Lafayette team or something coming up and be like, oh man, this ain't the Sun Belt anymore. I, I, the, I, I I've never seen this speed before. I don't know why they why they had such a hard time gauging that speed, but they didn't. They, they were really bad. They had several misfits over the course of the day. And Georgia just they they totally outclassed Kentucky and, and I it, look if I thought there was going to be an area that wasn't going to show up uh, among all four phases. I, I, you know, the probably last one would have been Kentucky's defense, and they just they just didn't really look like they could hold up against that Georgia offense. And if if not for a couple of just sort of bobbled backfield possessions in the first half, that thing could have been getting ugly by halftime. And so that's a that was a statement. Let's talk about statements. That was a statement win by Georgia, kind of patting Kentucky on the head and saying good good. Good effort, fellas. Um, we'll take this division title now. Um, you know, I mean, I your, yeah, like enjoy I enjoy your season. I, I it played out uh, no, how I thought in that it was very clear Kentucky hadn't played anyone like Georgia this year. 
I mean, they're just there hasn't been any experience that Kentucky has had, and they've had many where they've looked pretty, pretty good, pretty solid, pretty dominant. They've been able to, you know, as you said, like master the art of shrinking the game. I, I just think, man, and then this was another one that just, just sort of hit me as I was watching. Is it was just physics, like in the line of scrimmage, Georgia's just bigger and stronger, and at the skill positions, Georgia's just faster, and it just. And it's funny that you mentioned the made the group of five scenario, but it's just there is a definitive tier between Georgia and Kentucky one to 85 right now. And that that was not like all of the great execution in the world probably wasn't going to get Kentucky this win. And that's why we saw a point spread of nine and a final result of even more than that. Well, and also, look, I think going into the game, while this Kentucky team has got some really good players look I think their offensive line is is really good Benny Snell's really good Lynn Bowden's really good their whole defense is I mean there's a lot of NFL guys on that defense but even all that said there was no misconception that Georgia had more talent on their side of the ball than Kentucky did so in order for Kentucky to win this game they were going to need punt return touchdown big turnover pick six uh, trick play. I mean, there was going to have to be some sort of big opportunity taken by this Kentucky team, and I credit Georgia for never giving them that. Like one of the things, one of the real keys to the game to me was in the was the was Georgia's secondary in the first half. In the first half, Kentucky again the, the half went the way Kentucky wanted it. They were averaging five yards a play on first down. They were they possessed the ball almost the you know. Half the uh, you know almost for half of the first half, but where where they didn't have success was when they tried to take shots. Whether it was like a rollout throwback pass to to Bowden, whether it's a shot downfield, whether it was a um, double pass attempt, like Georgia's defensive backs kept all of that in front of them, and I think that like that they weren't able to capitalize on that half that kind of went the way they wanted it to by by just catching an explosive play somewhere, I think really snuffed them out long-term. And so uh, uh, I, I credit, I really like as, as much as the the defensive line played well and, and held Benny Snell at under 100 and as much as the offensive line was a story, and I think they really were the story, I think that secondary, which is the strength of that team, really really earned their money as well just in, in, in limiting – the big plays by Kentucky. So Georgia, to me, uh, obviously they win the SEC East. They set up a game against Alabama in the SEC championship game. Alabama wins the SEC West. Right now, what would you set as the point spread for the SEC championship game? I was just, a buddy of mine was was texting me that uh, before this, this show this morning and was like, uh, you know, is, is was, was the it the dentist? It was not the dentist. It was not the dentist. It was the lawyer. The lawyer was texting me, and he was saying, "Is the, you know, could, what, what would the line be fifteen? Because how could they set it any higher than that? And yet, how could Alabama not cover that? It's like, I guess you could see it sneaking up to seven. To, could you see an SEC title game with the seventeen or eighteen point line? No, no, I can't either. And yet, could you see? Look. Could, would you be tempted to play Georgia at, at a, with a 15-point line? Yes. 
I'll take 13 and a half and up. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'm comfortable. I'm not, I don't know if I'm comfortable picking against Alabama with much of anything, but, but like I said, but here, here's, here's where we're Boy, at. Boy, you, are, are you telling me that they're going to go back into the same building where they just played and weird stuff isn't going to happen? And I think the power too is real. Uh, I mean, you're right. I, I, this is this is gut reaction here, and, and maybe as I think through it, Georgia's got a better chance. And here, here's what I'll I'll say as this as we get into one of the things about this this week is I think we've got some definitively different teams than early in the season. There's been a it's been an evolution, but I think we're at the point now where where some teams are definitively different. I think Georgia feels definitively different than even three weeks ago. I agree. Uh, Alabama's dip, defense feels definitively different than maybe like the Arkansas game. Agree. Uh, yeah. Clemson, who we'll get to, feels definitively different than they did five weeks ago. Uh, Michigan is really got some swagger right now. Feels definitively different than even a month and a half ago. And so I think you know, and and even I would say maybe Notre Dame feels different than it did when they were blowing out Wake Forest. You know, so I, I I think we can start to recalibrate some of these teams again. I mean, we're all, we're constantly recalibrating, but um, I'm willing to entertain that Georgia could cover that. I'll, I'll, I'll I'm going to I'm going to take my time figuring that one out. I think that do you want to go to Clemson or Michigan or Oklahoma next? Because I do want uh, to operate in this tier. I think this. I think. I think you're right in identifying this tier, figuring out who the players are, their strengths and weaknesses. How that like like we we've got a very clear and interesting national championship picture right now. Can I before we move on? Uh, or West Virginia too. That's I, another one that we could get to. I was, um, I hate to say it, I was a little underwhelmed with the atmosphere in Lexington. Maybe it was because I was I was comparing it to the whiteout game and in, in, in State College earlier in the year. Uh, maybe it was because it was a three thirty game and not a night game. But and it was a you know it was nice nice day, nice environment. People were excited, but nothing about walking around that that tailgate or that stadium or made me feel like this was going to be some sort of overwhelming environment for Georgia to overcome. And I don't know if I caught. I mean, but it, like that was, that was a generational game for Kentucky, and it just, it just, it didn't feel, it didn't feel frenetic and crazy, um, like I kind of expected it to. So, I don't know what to make of that. I, I mean, don't know if Kentucky fans, I don't know if Kentucky fans think that like I misread it, or they would agree with that, or whether there's or got, whether, I mean, there's just got to be something when you're a nine and a half point dog, just something resting in the back of your mind, you know. Yeah, like I kind of felt as as we were gearing up to kick, and again, part of the thing about when you pick these games, you know, you're uh, it wasn't you know, Kentucky wasn't a lock for me. I I I, I leaned Kentucky, and I liked I liked the nine points. Um, but you you know, I go on all these shows, and I, and I sort of have to double down on it all week long. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and it's like I've said yes. it like five, yeah. like four times a day on these shows or whatever. Like, oh, Kentucky, Kentucky, Kentucky. And and as I'm as I'm walking around Lexington, I was kind of like, you know what? Like this is, I don't know that this feels like some sort of 
super like 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 uh handicap here that Georgia's got to overcome. It just didn't it just didn't feel like that. In the same way it felt like that at Penn State. Um uh, and so yeah, I don't know. I would be curious if Kentucky fans think I'm I'm under underestimating what what they're bringing to the table. But. I think I made it a, I do know exactly what you mean. I think I made it a lock uh for LSU to beat Georgia. And then I was even like throwing out because it was seven and a half, I think. And I was even like, an LSU could win that game. And then when uh, when we were out to dinner Friday night in Baton Rouge, I was looking around and I was like, oh, LSU's going to win this game. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. Yeah, LSU's got this. Even more so Saturday morning. And so you're saying there was an absence of that. There was an absence of like, I mean, there's a lot of belief in the air right now. There's a lot of it good energy. Looked, it just looked like an SEC, a, a big SEC game. It didn't, it didn't, I, I thought I was going to walk into like this, you know, people were still rolling in at noon and parking spots were still getting filled up. And I just, I, I don't know, just felt like, thought it was going to be different. Hey, just Kentucky that, fans who are angry, the good news is Barton had higher expectations for you. Yeah. I, I Maybe it. Maybe the Kroger Field at night environment is what I was, uh, what I was, felt like I was going to get, and maybe that's a little different. So, no offense. Enjoy my time there. Kentucky's a great town. Our Lexington is a great town. Um, love driving by the big castle on the way, but uh, just yeah, it was. I thought Georgia, Georgia probably probably wasn't any different than a lot of games Georgia's played in, is what I felt like. Okay, my grocery list here. We've got Clemson, Michigan, Notre Dame, West Virginia. Those are the 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 big ingredients where do you want to go uh well look i think if if we're all measuring we're measuring everything as alabama at this point uh right yeah i'm not ready to do that yeah i don't want to do that until we get to the playoff honestly because alabama is playing a different game and i i do think that you know i'm trying to embrace that mentality of uh you love college football a lot more if you realize it's not just about winning the national championship well but these teams we're talking about though aren't we talking about these teams in that in the tier and who was in an alabama tier yeah i think that alabama is on a tier by itself and that we just have to get to the like we've got to narrow down who the other three are going to be and okay all right so that that's i mean that well that's a good starting point you think alabama is in a tier by itself yes is it not like, and this is this? I feel like the second week I brought this up. Why? Why are we just sort of bypassing Clemson as being on the Alabama tier? I I think that that is the conversation about Clemson. I think that that I like mean, four weeks. Trevor Lawrence has been the starter and healthy for the entire game for four weeks. Sixty-three to three, forty-one to seven against the sixteen team, number sixteen team in the country. Fifty-nine to ten, seventy-seven to sixteen. They that none of those teams are any good except for maybe NC State, but. They're doing what Alabama does to teams. Yeah, and but so, no, nah, Trevor ain't Tua yet. That's the thing. No, the, the, Trevor's not Tua. They're, it, and they're I not using him. Like, Trevor Trevor Lawrence had 59 passing yards. He threw the ball 12 times. He is not being utilized. Uh, at, like, he is not being utilized outside of as a great third down and red zone threat, which is fine because you're limiting, you know, you're, you're limiting what you put on his plate. And the, the thing that I wrote about for the site after the Clemson game is that it is better for Clemson as a as a national championship contender, as a team that is going to be trying to not only be in the college football playoff but win it, but they have really established a dominant ground game. And they had like, I think, 10 different players 
uh, scored touchdowns. They, they're like the the skill position talents ridiculous. They've they've really really leaned into this idea that we're going to be physical and we're going to run the ball. And I think that that puts Clemson closer to Alabama. But I just I am imagining in my head what Clemson fully unleashed, Trevor Lawrence fully fully unleashed could look like against elite competition. And the fact of the matter is, I don't think we're going to see it until the college football playoff. Well, we do get. I think one more pretty good test. Boston College? This next week. Yeah. You know, they're going to Chestnut Hill against a, a Boston College defense that does have not just a couple, but like, I don't know, eight NFL guys across it, you know, here and there. I mean, I don't know if that, that may be a high number. It's, I mean, got, it's more than five. They got five. Yeah, you know? it's more yeah. than five for sure. So, so that that's, I think, is going to be an opportunity to gauge like if they go in, and if they beat BC by if they beat BC by 30 or, or you know 42 to 7 or something like that that's that's pretty alabama-ish to me so i and and th- I, and when i say they're alabama like that they may be on the same tier as alabama no one's on the same tier as Tua except for maybe kyler murray mm-hmm. um i'm i'm talking about as a team the way they're dominating is is not, I mean it's I mean how many times it's it's a it's sort of a generational dominating type of season I mean I, maybe generational is too strong but I mean this is Florida State 2013 stuff I mean this is a in most years this is a far and away national title favorite and so are we really putting it a full tier below Alabama I don't know I think it's I, I think that they're starting to make a case. That they are, that, that that they should be up there with the tide. They are one hundred percent making a case, but to say Clemson is two thousand thirteen Florida State, and Alabama is like early nineties Florida State right now, like nineteen ninety three Florida State or like two thousand two Miami. <laughs> like that's yeah, I, yeah. I I think that's the conversation that we re- that we're having, and just because you're. Like, like I would say the USC, it was the other one that Gary Danielson mentioned on the broadcast where he's like, no, Alabama has earned its swagger and it's playing uh, against opponents and dominating them in ways that I haven't seen since the old USC, Miami and Florida state teams and USC lost to Texas. So just because you are that dominating team doesn't mean you're going to win the national championship. I just think that. I think that Alabama has a tier. It has drawn the line in the sand and Clemson is the only one that's close but it still doesn't doesn't have uh when you line them up head to head. I think that that point spread is still nine and a half or eight and a half. I think I saw somewhere or I heard somewhere I heard on the radio on the way home last night that the Clemson Bama spread would be somewhere between four and six. Ooh. Um, for whatever that's worth. Hey, uh, have you did you know that the fridge package got another touchdown for Clemson? I, I I caught wind of that. Yeah, I like it. They give it to Wilkins, who's the halfback in that package. Last week, give Dexter Lawrence the fullback dive this week. Who wants some? <laughs> so, all right. So, we probably don't have to spend a lot of time on that Clemson. That's a another X Xbox showing. I mean, that's a that's a score when you got it on rookie mode. Brian Van Gorder and Bobby Petrino and the crew basically like were 
the Bethune Cookman to Clemson's, you know, November third weekends. Like it was basically like playing Savannah State or something. Uh, Seventy-seven points. Dude, so two years ago, where, Louisville was seven and one in ACC play. The only loss coming to Clemson by two points. Two years later, they are definitively the worst team in the conference. Yeah, I mean, you can't if if you're not going to get rid of Petrino this year, then I don't know. You know, good luck. I mean, they're going to have to come up with. I mean, I think it's going to happen, and and they're just going to have to fight off the other suitors. Yeah, and even if you don't get Brom, I mean, there's 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 other you know. No, that that no, it is Brom or bust in the well, hearts. No, but I'm saying in the I, hearts of a Louisville fan, if this is not course, Brom, this is wildly but, disappointing. But there are other names that are better than what you currently have. You could go get Mike Norvell, or you could go get um, Satterfield at App State, or I mean, there's there's plenty of good coaches out there that it doesn't have to be Brom. You want it to be Brom. But I think at this point you're willing you're willing to cut bait on Petrino without the guarantee that it's Brom. It's gotten that okay. bad. Okay, all if right. They, if this like if it was like five, five and seven year, then yeah, you you make sure you can get Brom before you cut bait on Petrino. But they're about to go two and ten, and they're getting beat seventy seven to sixteen, and and you know I think it's I think it may just be they're they're not getting much of an option at this point. Um, okay, so. Clemson, we got them figured out. You're uh, you're a little bit closer. And remember, I think I think Clemson can have the goods. They are on their way to having the goods. I just think that Alabama got to the goods first. All right. So what's the next what's the next closest team to having the goods? Do you think what's the what's the what's the next team that you are inclined to consider for that that top tier, or at least is at the very top of the next tier? Michigan. Yeah, I'm Michigan over Georgia. Okay, talk to me. Um, I I think that of of all the different pieces, the Michigan defense is like that. That's some hang your hat on and win a championship with it type stuff. Where like Notre Dame's defense is really really deep and really solid, and Georgia's defense seems to have woken up over the last two weeks. Michigan's defense like there's there's no evolution needed. I mean they're just. They are the filthiest group, and the way that they suffocated the life out of Penn State was just—I uh, mean, it was the Don Brown masterpiece. And you were just—you were just amazed. And as a fan of defense, you're just finding yourself on your feet, applauding like you've just witnessed an award-winning performance. Like it was—it uh, was something special. And because of that, I was like, "All right, like nah, you're—you're you're watching this in the same day that you're watching Ohio State be just a mess." at home against Nebraska and all of a sudden this this world where it's a one loss, you know, a 12 and 1 Big 10 champion Michigan team finally getting in the college football playoff, it it kind of crystallized for me yesterday. Yeah, I mean the defense is it's as fun as a unit to watch as that I means it's in some ways it's as fun to watch as an Alabama offense just because of the way they play. Um, did you hear, I, I, I sort of retweeted this. I think I did this week, Don Brown talking about like what makes his defense so good. And he sort of just talked about their practice habits and, and the way they practice. And first of all, Don Brown is far and away the coach in college football. I would most want to play for he's listening to him. Talk defense is, is like, like it makes me want to put my helmet on and just 
you know, screw the back. It doesn't matter. Let's let's go. Like he's 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 awesome. And you've got it down to the specific part of your body that you're willing to sacrifice, <laughs> knowing that it's going to be crushed. Right. right. <laughs> um, but it's but man, they just play with with such a nasty streak. Devin Bush is so physical, so fun to watch, and that what they're doing on a weekly basis. Like 186 yards total offense to Penn State, 94 yards of total offense to Michigan State. Like they had a letdown against Wisconsin and gave up 283. Like they're not even touching 300. And it's. it's I, th- I just, think the Michigan uh, the Michigan defense uh, creates problems on an elite level, like an Alabama offense. I think that's fair. Right. right. Now, I think that uh, that defense is so good that. We don't have to really worry about that offense. I didn't obviously. I didn't watch the game against Penn State. It's it's been a while since Michigan's really had to sort of be dominant on offense. I know they're they're very good on offense, but I'm still not there with their offense to the point where I I'm scared of their offense. Are you? Am I am I wrong on that? No, you're only scared of explosive plays. I mean, Michigan's still Michigan, right? Like you're just basically holding off hope that Karan Higdon is not going to run through. I mean, Karan Higdon being very, very good is worth consideration. But if Michigan plays Alabama, they're not going to be able to run the ball on Alabama the way that they ran the ball on Penn State. You know what I'm saying? That would be a fascinating game. I mean, I, I, Alabama would still win, I think, but it sure would be fun to watch that defense try to slow down Alabama. Um and and I think that that offense too would be it would just sort of be interesting to see how that, they would match up with Alabama's defense. So I'm so let me think. I think I probably agree with you that the way they're playing right now, I, I would put Michigan next. Um, would you go Oklahoma after them, or would you go Notre Dame? Last night got me shook. I'm going Notre Dame over Oklahoma. Yeah, I See, saw I saw two teams get tested at the same time, and Notre Dame put Northwestern away when they got tested. Like they 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 needed a couple of uh, stomp them out, kill their spirit plays. Notre Dame got that, and Texas Tech still got all it wanted right down to the end. Like Oklahoma always had answers and kept pushing the pace, but Notre Dame needed to to, to like squeeze the life out of Northwestern and kill their hope for the win. And they did it, and Oklahoma was not able to do that, not able to get stops. I think if you're painting the picture, you start from scratch, and you're just drawing up what a, what a, a great football team looks like. As you work through it, the team you draw up is more likely to look like Notre Dame. But I still think that in this year in college football, given what you have to go up against – Alabama, Clemson, primarily. I mean, really, those two. I still think that Oklahoma is the team that is like. It's hard for me to say they're a better team than Oklahoma or than Notre Dame, but it's just I still think that they are the team. I mean, they're the team I wouldn't want to play, and I still think that in their offense is so good that I'm not sure that the, their defense being leaky matters that much. I mean, they're going to be in shootouts. 
but their offense is good enough to 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 potentially win in any shootout. So that's a that's a really convoluted cop out answer. But I I like I I'd be scared I'd be more scared to play Oklahoma than Notre Dame. Even even though like on paper Notre Dame is probably like a, a quote better team, I just Oklahoma's offense is that good that I, I think that they're like the team that is is a bigger threat to the the status quo. But just because you're the I, I mean, do you? I don't feel confident because right now with West Virginia beating Texas. West Virginia and Oklahoma are setting up potentially one of those scenarios where at the end of the season, they're going to play in the regular season finale. And then in the big 12 championship game, I don't trust Oklahoma to win both of those games. And I think that the second Oklahoma takes one more loss, they're out. They've got like, to me, the way that the math is all shaken out, like a two loss Oklahoma big 12 champion, I would guess does not get in over a one loss Notre Dame. If Notre Dame and Oklahoma both lose a game, I think Notre Dame stays in the picture. I think Oklahoma falls out. And so now I'm looking at Oklahoma and I'm thinking, okay, like, is this team really going to run all the way through the rest of its games, including beating this West Virginia team twice that seems to have found something uh, after getting bullied against Iowa State? Like, I, I think that they have turned a corner physically uh, in terms of the way that they are playing and the way they feel comfortable playing. And that that matchup scares me if I'm a Sooners fan. I'm going to ask you a question that's probably not super fair and one that I don't have a uh, an answer in my head on. Oh, these are my favorite. But I, if if Notre Dame was in the Big Twelve, would they go undefeated? No. Does that? And if and if if with that in mind, given and, and if you consider that Michigan, or I'm sorry. With that in mind, if you consider that Oklahoma does win the Big 12, let's say Oklahoma wins the Big 12, 12-1 Big 12 champ. Notre Dame goes undefeated. Do you think, do you still think Oklahoma is, Notre Dame is better than Oklahoma, even though you're you're not envisioning an undefeated Notre Dame Big 12 champion? I think that Oklahoma is the... If if Oklahoma runs the table and gets and gets off the the double West Virginia win, then you're good with me. I think that's that's a, like that. Right, and 12, I'm not arguing. I'm not arguing Oklahoma should be in over Notre Dame if they're going defeated. That's not what I'm arguing. I'm just talking about a twelve and one. Yeah, think, yeah. I test better. if they've done it, then yeah, twelve and one Oklahoma over eleven and one Notre Dame. Twelve and one Oklahoma. Maybe over twelve and zero Notre Dame. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not trying to argue they should be. I'm just more talking about. I'm not even talking about the playoffs. I'm just more talking about who is like who do we think is are the best teams right now. Well, and that's uh, and, and, and so, the, the it comes back to it being unfair because we're also like, well, what did those wins look like? What did what what happened in these last three or four games? Right. So what's what's the more what's what's more troubling to you? That Notre Dame goes to Northwestern and is kind of an ugly game where they get a punt blocked late and they, you know, they're, uh, you know, they salvage a three point win with sort of a late touchdown. Or Oklahoma goes to Lubbock, gets in a shootout, and wins by six. Like, what's, 
those to me are sort of pushes. Like they're sort of the same thing, and in, 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 both in their own style. I uh, okay. I you know what? I, this is another. You know, we're recording here on like Sunday morning. I maybe I need to spend. I had Oklahoma Texas Tech on the the side TV with the Xfinity Skycam feed. You ever have you watched that at all this year? I love the Skycam. Yeah, <laughs> Skycam is my favorite. Skycam yeah. in Oklahoma Texas Tech. I felt like that was the perfect Skycam game. So. It's a great Skycam game. I will admit it was not uh, my primary game. I was, I did have some work responsibilities for Notre Dame Northwestern. My hot take there was special teams was a mess, but for the most part, there wasn't a lot to be concerned about for Notre Dame. And that's kind of what I got from Brian Kelly after the game too, that it was kind of like, yeah, I mean, once, once Ian calmed down and once we finally got our feet under us offensively, everything started clicking. We came out a little shaky, you know, we're playing out here. Like it, it was very much, uh, a Brian Kelly, like shrug your shoulders, know that it wasn't the 100% effort, but nothing ever was alarming. If that makes sense. Hey man, that's, that's, that's a good answer. That's, that's, that's what I've been trying to get. Yeah. I mean, now, now, I get a better feel for what the Notre Dame game looked like. I didn't watch it. I, I heard the last four or five minutes on the radio when Alabama was super boring. So um, that that makes me feel a little better, more a little better about Notre Dame, knowing that it was it wasn't really a game that ever felt like it was gonna no gonna be an L. No, 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 never. No, it was like yeah. Northwestern was had Northwestern had nothing. And it was really just like, and look, there were a lot of special teams mistakes. Like there, there were like bad penalties on kicks and um, illegal formations on punt. I mean, there was, there, there was some stuff that was a little bit sloppy, but you know, if I'm judging this team by their entire body of work, uh, I'll say that I came out of that game being like, all right, that's, that's the kind of game that not just any playoff team, but especially Notre Dame, like it's just survival. You know, it's it's about you're going to get caught in these games and you're going to need like three really good plays all in a row. And when Notre Dame needed that against Northwestern, they hit it. And it gives me confidence that they could do that uh, if they are faced with a similar adversity here in the rest of the month. All right. So is there anybody else that deserves our attention among that group of Clemson, Georgia, Michigan, uh, Oklahoma. It's. I mean, West Virginia is a one-loss team. Do you think that West Virginia yeah. can go and do can, so the flip Washington side State. of that? Yeah, Washington State. Flip flip side of this are these these one-loss teams, West Virginia and Washington State, that appear to be out of the picture, but certainly have everything ahead of them to be a one-loss Power Five conference champion. Yeah, it's still, I just don't see it. I don't see it though. I don't see them in the same kind of tier as these. I don't I think mean, the distance. They're, they're the next. They're the next down. Yeah. The and, next tier down. And I don't think the distance between Washington State and Washington is the same as what's in the rankings. I think Washington's fine. Washington's not a national championship contender, but Washington is just fine and more than capable of beating Washington State in the Apple Cup and even winning the Pac-12 this year. Uh, good teams win, great teams cover. Washington, Washington. Uh, I'm 
I'm sitting there looking at my score app all the way on the drive home saying, ah, kind of been a rough week, but at least Washington is going to cover and then let, let Stanford sneak back in get that cover. Didn't, didn't, didn't make daddy happy there, but, uh, but I agree that Washington could, could beat Washington state for sure. Washington's so solid. Like that was like Jake Browning had a much better game. It was a great Jake Browning response game. If you were looking for a reason to not just believe that he has lost all of his ability to be potent offensively, like this was a game and Stanford, you know, they've, they've allowed some quarterbacks to get a little loose, but he, he was comfortable. He was in rhythm. I think he only had like one rushing touchdown, one passing touchdown, but it, it was a, it was a much better Jake Browning game for Washington. And that's encouraging. Um, what did you think about what Ohio State put on the field? Um, it's not good, man. <laughs> the yeah, like the tweets that were going out during that game. I think that that was a morning game, so like I was like looking at my phone. While I was on the sideline doing pregame hits and stuff, and I didn't get a chance to see much. Or I didn't get a chance to see any of it, but the tweets that I was seeing were like, uh. You know, Ohio State may, I think Stuart Mandel maybe tweeted, Ohio State may win this game, but they look broken. Mm-hmm. Like, very, there's, I guess, booze at halftime. Uh, I mean, they were, they were bad. They, they were very bad. Dwayne Haskins, like, from the jump, it was just an off day for Haskins. You know, I mean, and, and I give, I give quarterbacks an off day two or two throughout a season, right? You know, I'm, I'm willing to have that kind of, uh, I'm will I'm willing to give that kind of margin for error. There's like, but man, he looked off from the jump. The running game still couldn't get going at all. Uh, and you know what? There was no urgency. That was one thing that I observed. I I was watching that game, and Nebraska was lead. Nebraska led multiple times uh, in the first half and at different points in the game, and. I just never felt like I saw any urgency. The vibe, and I wasn't there. I mean, we could talk to Bruce Feldman. He was there. Talk to Brady. He was there, but the the vibe from the the screen looked like Ohio State just kind of felt like, nah, we got this, and they did. But just the fact that that's your attitude and the lack of urgency and no real energy, no real good energy in the building or up and down the sideline, like broken's probably a good word. Well, they, I mean, this is another game where. I think you 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 stack this up on top of the the loss to Purdue, and you and you're back to being like how even if they even if they win the Big Ten with one win, if there's another viable candidate out there, how do you put Ohio State in with the way they're playing late in the year? Uh, I mean, I guess we'll look at them differently if they got a Michigan win in their back pocket. I don't know. I think uh, damage is done for me. I don't think they're a national champion. You think? But 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 if they beat Michigan, we just talked about what we think Michigan is. Right. If they beat Michigan, you don't think that that could alter the way you see Ohio State? No. Wow, that's very uh, it's cold of you, man. I bet girl, the old girlfriends didn't get much of a second chance when uh, when when the breakup went down, huh? When I check <laughs> out, when got- I when I checked out, I'm out. <laughs> I'm moving on. Got I I'm no, so no, no no late night booty call. You know, rekindle. Just you were just you're on to the next one. Huh? Oh, I'm texting. Mich- I started texting Michigan this morning, seeing what Michigan wanted for brunch. 
<laughs> I've been I've been Ohio State is going to win the Big Ten for most of the year, and I, I didn't I have Ohio State as a lock. If not, it was definitely like I was. I had very, Ohio State as a lock this weekend. I was very much on like, oh yeah, Ohio State. They're going to come back. They're going to they're going to do what they do at home against worse teams. They're going to win fifty eight to ten. I even referenced the Michigan thing. It was like they're going to try to beat them as bad as Michigan did. And there was just no urgency, no will to beat Nebraska. Like there was like, oh man, well we can't lose. But there was not just a lot of, I don't know, man. They're not that like yeah. they're very very talented, and they are uh, they're not that great. They are very. How do you not? Yeah. How do you not come out of a bye week ready to after a loss like that, ready to prove people? wrong the they Just, i think they almost got a 12 men on the field penalty on a punt and urban meyer had to call a timeout to save it from happening yeah things are getting loose real loose um let's see what a, well i mean so did did texas west virginia like t- t- talk to me about that game is that how should i feel are we are we down on Texas again? Are we up on West Virginia now? Instruct me on my takeaway from West Virginia, Texas. It is uh it is decidedly an up on West Virginia take and the the kind of continued cooling of where where Texas is on the backness. Yeah. I mean it's like That was a <clears throat> it was a big boy game for Will Greer. That was a pretty big now, now Texas has got at Lubbock in the evening, and Iowa State, a tough Iowa State team. I mean, the backness is 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 in in serious jeopardy. We got we got we got we got a backness backness emergency right now. <laughs> uh, I mean, this ends I mean, with them was, being that was a game they <clears throat> needed. This ends with them being nine and three, eight and four, probably eight and four. Well, nine and three is I think I feel like nine and three is acceptable. Um, eight and four is a little disappointing, given where they thought they were after the Oklahoma win. But eight and four is probably, uh, you know, as long as you win a bowl game, you think you can leave the season feeling good. But no, eight and eight and four is eight and four is probably disappointing. It's probably a little disappointing. So on the West Virginia side, this is what you do. <clears throat> you take a step back and you're like, all right, after the Iowa State loss, it's been a different team. And if you just think about it like that, in the team that never allowed the Baylor game to be a game for a second and the offense was just ridiculously efficient, and then you do the this Texas win and you get it done in Austin – now all of a sudden you're playing it out and you're like, all right, TCU at home, you know that's going to be a very tough game, but I think West Virginia can win it. At Oklahoma State, it's going to be a very tough game, but I think West Virginia can win it. And then you get to like the ultimate conundrum because I don't believe West Virginia is going to beat Oklahoma the first time, and I I don't think Oklahoma, I definitely don't think West Virginia is going to beat Oklahoma twice. And that's where it's like a West Virginia ceiling comes down to just having an Oklahoma problem. Is there a have you have you done the the math 
the mathematics on this. Is there a scenario where West Virginia beats TCU and Oklahoma State, loses to Oklahoma, and doesn't get in the Big 12 championship game? Do you know? Do you know this question? Uh, yeah, and it's Iowa State wins out. If Iowa State wins out, okay. Because they don't have a head-to-head against Iowa State. Iowa State only has two conference losses right now. So if West Virginia finds itself in a tie for second with Iowa State, then Iowa State gets in. If West Virginia finds itself in a tie with Texas, then West Virginia gets in. And Texas has two conference losses right now. And Iowa State's got Baylor at Texas, Kansas State, and, and, you know, feels like those are all – they'll be favored at least two of them. Right. And – very winnable three. So yeah, we've got a, we've got a, we got a scenario for sure. Um, and you know, if West Virginia were to beat Oklahoma in that uh, finale, and that game is, I believe, yeah, that game's going to be in Morgantown. If Texas wins out and only has two conference losses, Oklahoma has two conference losses. Then we could have a scenario where Oklahoma is not even playing in the Big Twelve championship game. If Texas wins out, Oklahoma loses to West Virginia. Ooh, there you go. Now we're digging into it. Yeah. I mean, ah. it's and, and like I, I keep doing this and I keep running the math and I keep drawing all the arrows and I'm like, okay, so the big 12 is just not going to be in this year. Is that it again? Pac 12, big 12. It's out. Yeah. We're just coming down to you Notre just, Dame, Michigan, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson. Figure it out from there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you're just you just you got your doubts about Oklahoma, huh? Being yeah. able to get this thing all yeah. the way all the way to the end. Yeah, I love I love Kyler. I mean, it's, it's, look, it's, it's gonna be fun. Like that that game is at night at Morgantown, the twenty third of November. Is that a is that a? That's a Friday. Is that that's a Friday night. Oh man, <laughs> that, <laughs> that that is a dark dark alley that Oklahoma's got to walk down. But Oklahoma uh, at least has the – I mean, just in terms of, like, not college football playoff, but, like, thank goodness Oklahoma has the head-to-head win against Iowa State. Right. Right. Um, all right, so – so, but look, what <clears> – <throat> let's play it like this then. Have you seen enough from Oklahoma or from West Virginia? They went out, they beat Oklahoma. Somehow they beat Oklahoma twice or whoever they play twice. Then – is, is, do you think that looks like a team that could jump somebody for a playoff bid? Another one-loss conference champ? No, it's not. It's going to be uh, – they're late to the party. They weren't Still first in be, line. They're going to need – Who would you who, who would you take? Who would you take? An, an Ohio State team that beats Michigan and wins the Big Ten Championship or a West Virginia team that wins out, beats Oklahoma twice? I would got to go West Virginia there, don't you? I would take West Virginia. I think the committee would take Ohio State. No. Yep. Oh, man, that would be... Because West Virginia lost its good strength of schedule argument with NC State. Strength of schedule rating is terrible. Really? Well, shoot. It may be a little better once they get a couple dubs. Um, all right. Well, okay. So what else? Let's see. Uh, I did... I, I missed badly on uh, my one SEC East pick, but at least I got Missouri upset in Florida. Yeah. That was a that was a great win for Missouri. That was that was another, I felt like I was watching a lot of good redemption. That was a good Drew Locke bounce back from the Kentucky loss. That was a good good uh, story 
Well, you and you called um, it. Yeah, you just you planted the seed for me. You you, you said Drew Locke is not going to finish his career without a ranked win. Yeah, <clears throat> and and I think that I still think that one of the more under underappreciated defensive fronts in college football is Missouri's defensive line. I think those guys are really good, and they've just been operating and you know, kind of over there in the in the corner playing in games that the secondary gives us some big plays and the offense is sort of this boomer bust and I think we're you go watch that defensive line are good. So glad they glad they validated that with the win over Florida. Um Utah going down to Arizona State. Ugh. They lose Tyler Huntley for the year, I believe, with a collarbone injury. Oh yeah? Mm-hmm. Was that early in the game? Yeah, it was a big part you know? of it. Because that's uh, that was a that was one of the more surprising scores of the weekend, honestly. Yeah, I thought Utah was playing really good football, and not not that I couldn't see Arizona State winning, but for them to win like that, thirty eight to twenty, that's uh, that was that was a little a little startling to me. Um. Yeah. So let's see, Huntley. I guess I guess broken collarbone at this point. You're uh you're you're done, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, like even Wilton Spate was it last year that Wilton Spate came back from a maybe it was two years ago, came back from some like really serious clavicle injury and was like playing. Well, Daniel Jones uh, this year came back in about three weeks. Yeah, and how about that? Speaking of uh, speaking of DJ Duke beating Miami, what a what a disappointing year for Miami. That game looked like it was uh, uh it looked like it was being played in three inches of standing water. Oh yeah. It was just a downpour for the entire game. And as somebody who locked up the under, it was glorious. Oh yeah, that was a beautiful uh, that was that had to feel good from the kick. Um let's see. So Purdue getting the win against Iowa. That was really exciting. That that uh you know only get keeps the Jeff Brom machine going. Syracuse, I thought, had a, a validating and an affirming win. You know, they were they were going to Wake Forest and I feel like Tom and I were both like, I don't know. That game could be dangerous, but Syracuse was the better team. Um and so now now Syracuse here in two weeks, they get Notre Dame in Yankee Stadium as and now they're a top fifteen team. Uh Auburn over Texas A and M, I thought it was a game that was badly bungled by the Aggies. They had that game yeah, won and they screwed that, it up. Yeah, that was a lot a lot of social media uh Gus Malzahn angst was was getting bubbled up to me on 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 my uh you know, on my on my feed. And in classic <laughs> Gus fashion, right when he's about to have the loss that gets him fired, ends up with the walk-off <laughs> winner. So, like, we got to the point where it's not just like Gus is, you know, the, it's it's the year he has to prove himself, and and right when everyone's about to fire him, he has a great year. We're getting to the point where like people are like, up, oh, well, this is after this game, you just basically got to fire him, and like within that game, comes back <laughs> right. and, 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 like he is really pushing this uh, this to the limit, this whole exercise of of. Uh, do or die. So it was 24 14, 24 14 heading into the fourth quarter. Wow. And what happened? They, How did they score? How, 
Mond, Mond was pretty terrible in the fourth quarter. The the real Mond started to p- poke his head out, huh? Yeah. And then you know, all of a sudden, they're just they're they're just like slowly, slow, slowly pushing this pushing the pace. And then all of a sudden, you're like, wait a second. Oh yeah, that's right. Jared Stidham is like really, really, really good and can uh, connect on a big play or three. So oh, so the the kid Stidham started making some play. Good for good for Jared. Um, the, NC State uh, outclassed Florida State. Florida State is not going to make a bowl this year. That's uh that's I, I feel like that's pretty damning. Yeah, you know, Willie Taggart. It's I very, say. very you damning. Know, we, you can make all the excuses you want, but that's you can't not make a bowl, man. You just can't do that. Not with that roster. Not with that roster. Not with that conference. Can't not make a bowl. And uh, that did. That, that's not even a competitive score. No, they, I mean they were never competitive. NC State was always ahead by about ten points. Great win for NC State. Great capital G. Great win for NC State. That team might finish ten and two this year. Yeah, which makes forty-one-seven. Clemson win. Pretty Bama-ish. Yeah, pretty Bama-ish. Just saying. Uh, just saying. Um. All right. Well, guess what, folks? We're going to be back on Tuesday night. It's going to be a little bit later than it was this week, but we're still going to be recording a Tuesday night rankings release live. Uh, our reactions to the latest playoff rankings, what we thought, where the big movements are, whatever vibes we're getting from the committee. So uh, be sure that you subscribe to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast so that you can get that Tuesday night or first thing Wednesday morning whenever you want to dive into uh, our silly rankings talk. Um, we're we're, we're going to run it back. It was a pretty good, pretty good reaction to week one, so I guess we're locked into it. Sounds good to me, man. You, let's, you, let's do it. Means we're going to be watching some college hoops on Tuesday night. Uh, college hoops kicks off, huh? Or tips off, eh? They're going to be giving us the rankings in between Michigan State, Kansas, and Kentucky Duke. Good. Get to learn a bunch of new players' names in college, college basketball. Well, the good news good is one me. of the best players in the country only goes by Zion, so you'll be all right. Uh yeah, I've I've seen the YouTube clips. That's one I that is one I got. I got him squared away. Nice. So that'll be fun. Uh he is Barton Simmons. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at chip underscore Patterson. Barton, thank you very much. Deserve. Yes,